Hey, welcome to the Kingdom Church Podcast. We're so glad you could join us. You're listening to part three of our series called Overflow. So whatever you're doing, wherever you are, sit back, relax. Here it is. We're going to be in the book of 1 Kings, and I'll give you just a little context so you understand where we are. Uh, Elijah is a prophet. And Elijah the prophet has spoken on behalf of God. And what he has said is that there will be no rain until he says so. Everyone following? 1 Kings 17 verse 7, it says, Sometimes later, sometime later, the brook dried up because there had been no rain in the land. Then the word of the Lord came to him, to Elijah, Go at once to Zarephath in the region of Sedan and stay there. I have directed a widow there to supply you with food. So he went to Zarephath, and when he came to a town gate, a widow was there gathering sticks. Elijah called to her, and he said, Would you bring me a little water in a jar so I may have a drink? Now remember, we're in the midst of a drought. As she was going, he called, and he said, Hey, one more thing. A little bread, too, please. Verse 12, she says, as surely as the Lord your God lives, I don't have any bread. Only a handful of flour in a jar and a little olive oil in a jug. I'm gathering a few sticks to take home, make a meal for myself and my son that we may eat and die. Elijah said to her, don't be afraid. Listen, someone here today, don't be afraid. Go home and do as you have said, but first, someone say, but first, but first make me a small loaf of bread and what you have and bring it to me and make some for yourself and your son. For this is what the Lord, the God of Israel says, this jar of flour will not be used up and the jug of oil will not run dry until the day the Lord sends rain on the land. So she did. She went away and did as Elijah told her. And so there was food every day for Elijah and for the woman and for her family. For the jar of flour was not used up. And the jug of oil did not run dry in keeping with the word of the Lord spoken by Elijah. Because some will say amen. Amen. I want to call this message, When Feelings Fail. When Feelings Fail fail. Can we clap our hand for the Word of God? I told y'all I had a long passage of Scripture, and so uh, as you guys can see, I do know how to read. Come on, somebody. So uh, we are in the third part of a series here at church called Overflow, and this is our year-end series. Can you make some noise? Anyone been here for any parts? Come on, so good. I hope that this this series so far has been helpful. I hope that you feel stretched, uh, and, and I want to continue to stretch us as we go along for these next two weeks. If you guys are new, uh, we have this tradition at a church where we finish every year with a year-end offering, and uh, our year-end offering, we center around our year-end series that we speak for three or four weeks, kind of depending on the year, but our series is all around faith and generosity, faith and generosity, and I think if you guys have been with us for the first two weeks of this series, you will know that one of the things that we have said is that when you follow Jesus, your life will begin to overflow. And what we we really honed in on last week was this idea of generosity. And what we said is that to follow Jesus, which produces the overflow, to follow Jesus is to be generous. And so you want to follow Jesus, you must be generous. And and I think that for the first two weeks, we kind of hit on the generosity aspect of this series. Today, what I want to do is I want to talk about the faith aspect of this series. Because one thing I want us to understand is that when it comes to generosity, it takes faith to be generous. It takes faith to be generous. Listen to this. It takes faith to believe that it is actually more blessed to give than it is to receive. It's a really nice verse, but it takes faith. To believe it. Next week, as I said, we are taking our year-end offering, and this will be, listen to this, the fifth year-end offering in the history of our church. And it takes faith. It takes faith. Next week, I know there are going to be people that have never given before. They're going to come and say, hey, Jesus, I'm giving this to you, 
And, and it's not because it's been the best season. It's not because even that I feel it, but it's because you are faithful. And that takes faith. And so what I want to do today is I want to talk about faith. But I think in order to talk about faith, I need to talk about, I think, one of the number one things that often kills our faith. Or at least holds us back from where our faith is. Um, and that's our feelings. I want to talk today about what happens when my faith and my feelings are going in opposite directions. Is that relevant to anyone in this place? Anyone ever been there? It's like, I want to be faithful. I want to go above and beyond. I want to give. But my feelings just aren't lining up with my faith. You see, one of the things about our feelings is I think they can work one of two ways. And, and you know, we just talked about emotions and We'll probably never, ever leave emotions because they <laughs> dictate everything that we do. But our feelings work two ways. I think sometimes, if we're honest, sometimes our feelings are just out of whack. You guys ever been there? Where it's like, I, I really have no reason, I have no understanding for why I feel the way I feel, but I feel it nonetheless. And that can be frustrating because like, I have no reason not to have faith. I have no reason not to believe because God has been good. God has provided, yet I just don't feel it. I'm, I'm, can, I, can I be honest for a second? Like this season, as, as we kind of close out this season as a church, this has been a year where God has gone above and beyond. I'm going I'm to share some crazy stuff next week just about how much God has gone above and beyond. But I'm a little bit frustrated. You want to know why? Because as this year ends, I don't really feel faithful. I'm, I'm going to share a clip next week. I was going to share it this week. going to share it next week. And so I was watching uh, old sermons. And so I was literally watching the sermon from last year, the second last sermon of the year that yours truly was preaching. And one of the things that I said in that message, as I began the message, I said, just church, like I feel so full of faith. And I was looking back a year later when God has done so much, and I just really don't feel full of faith right now. Anyone, anyone on that track with me, just myself? And I can say 100% that my feelings are out of whack. I have no reason not to feel faithful, but that's just where I am right now. And I, I want us to understand, because perhaps that's you, where you have no reason, you can't really put your finger on it, yet you're not feeling faithful. And that's okay, because I'm going to speak to that today. But there are other times in our lives where actually our feelings line up directly with our circumstances. Because I know for some of us, this has not been the best year ever. And I know for a lot of us, even when we use that language, like, best year ever, it's like, shut up. This has been a year of disappointment. This has been a year of heartbreak. This has been a year of letdown. And so for some of us, our feelings are lining up directly with our circumstances. But I have good news for you too, because I think no matter where our feelings are, we can have faith in the midst of it. And that's why I'm calling this message when feelings fail, because I want to show us today how to have faith even when our feelings fail. Can I preach today? Because I'm going to, because I'm filled with faith today. And I'm going to show you why. So we're going to do, uh, we're going to go through, I should say, 1 Kings chapter 17. As you guys saw, it's, it's a long story. And so what I want to do is I kind of just want to go through the story and I want to break it down bit by bit. And I want to take some things out for us. But in order for us to, to go through the story and really absorb it, we must understand the context of 1 Kings 17 and even more so the larger story of the Old Testament. So if you are new to the Bible, the Old Testament takes place before Jesus. Jesus rocks in the New Testament. This is before. So that's kind of your simplest context for Old and New Testament. And in the Old Testament, what you will find is that it centers around a nation called Israel. Can you guys say Israel? Israel. Now, in the Old Testament, Israel is God's people. They are God's people. God is faithful to them. God is for them. God leads them. God directs them. But as you read the Old Testament, you will find this constant theme when it comes to God's people. God is faithful to him. They aren't so faithful back. 
And so if you, if you kind of want to know the Old Testament at large, like what's happening, God is good, the people aren't. And where we pick up our story today in 1 Kings 17, uh, there is a king in the land of Israel, and his name is Ahab. And Ahab has one job really as king, which is to lead his people to their God. Ahab does the opposite. He doesn't lead the people to God. In fact, Ahab leads the people to follow false gods. Very specifically in this story, there's a God named Baal. Can you all say Baal? So I'm just, is everyone following? I want to set this up because it makes the story so much better. So people of Israel, they should be following God. Instead, they're not, and a lot of them are following a false god named Baal. Y'all ready? I said, y'all ready? Let's go. 1 Kings 17, verse 1, it says, Elijah, I love this line, Elijah the Tishbite from Tishbe. Harrison the Canadian from Canada. Elijah the Tishbite from Tishbe in Gilead, he goes to the king, and he says to Ahab, as the Lord, the God of Israel lives, whom I serve, there will be neither dew nor rain in the next few years except at my word. Really cool side note, especially if you guys were in worship today and you're like, what is a Yahweh? Um, because we sang worthy you are Yahweh. In the Old Testament, every single time you see Lord in all capital letters, that's Yahweh. That's, that's, the, that's God's name. He actually has a name, Yahweh. There you go. More you know. You're welcome. So Elijah goes to Ahab, and he says, literally, as Yahweh, the God of Israel, lives, there will be no dew or rain until I say so. Now, you need to understand what Elijah is doing here when he is rendering judgment. When Elijah says on behalf of God that there is not going to be any rain, this is an extreme judgment. Why? Well, rain represents really two things. Number one, rain is a lifeline, right? Water is a lifeline. When there is no water, when there is no rain, things begin to dry up. And so for a culture that was a heavily agricultural society, water was the currency. Rain was the currency. And so this judgment by God, literally what he is saying, when he says it's not going to rain, there's going to be no rain or dew except at my word, he is literally saying, I am about to cut off the life and the lifeline of this nation. Now, when you look at that, what should go through your head is like, wow, that's a really harsh judgment. God is not going to rain. Now, it seems harsh, but I'm going to go a little bit deeper, and I'm going to show you something cool. Can I show you guys something? So as I said, Israel's issue, and really this is an Old Testament issue, is that Israel would often worship other gods, false gods, a pantheon of different gods. Now, you might be saying to yourself, that seems kind of archaic. Like, who would follow other gods? You guys and me. Because perhaps you don't follow a Baal, or perhaps you don't follow an Asherah or any of these other gods in the Old Testament, but chances are all of us in this room at some point have followed, chased, or served the God of money. At some time, some place, all of us have served the God of status, or the God of sex, or the God of people's opinions. Truth is this, especially like if you're in this room and maybe even other gods is kind of out there, like God itself is kind of wacky. Here's the truth. You don't have to believe in God or any God, but you do serve a God. So the question isn't, do I serve gods? It's just, what God do I serve? And so in the Old Testament, Israel was supposed to be faithful to the one true God. Instead, in this story, they're following after Baal. Now, Baal, if you want to understand what he's all about, Baal is the God of the storm. Like the God of thunder. You guys ever seen Thor? He's the God of thunder. Now, so what Baal does is Baal is very specifically in charge of the weather. And so you want the weather to turn your way, you would go to Baal. Now, here's what's interesting. Baal's very specific name. You guys want to know what it is? Baal is the Lord of the dew and the rain. Baal is the Lord of the dew and the rain. Let's go back to the judgment that God brings. Look what he says in verse 1. He says, there will be no dew or no rain 
in the next few years except at my word. This is kind of cool. You want to know what God's doing? He's dunking on Baal. He's literally posterizing him, if you guys watch basketball, right? You know what I'm talking about. The God of Israel is dunking on the, the, the Lord of the dew and the rain because there is a whole nation that is chasing after this thing that they think will give them life and livelihood. And God says, no, 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 no. At my word, I'm going to show you who controls the dew and the rain. You see, what I want us to understand is that God is trying to teach them a lesson. And what he's trying to teach them is a lesson that God is trying to teach each and every one of us. Because as I said, maybe you don't follow Baal, but there is something in your life that you follow that you believe will give you life and livelihood. And so what God's trying to do in this story is God wants to teach them who is the one that actually is in charge of everything. I'm not just the Lord of the dew and the rain. I'm the Lord of the heavens and the earth. And so here's the point I want us to understand. God is trying to let them know who controls the flow. Here's the point. You can write it down. In my life, because listen, we're talking about faith. How do I begin to have faith? Here's where it starts. I need to know who controls the flow. Kind of rhymes, right? I need to know who controls the flow. You see, as I said, you probably don't have a Baal statue in your room that you look at every morning hoping that he's going to bring you life and livelihood. But you want to know what I know most of you guys have in your room or at least your bathrooms? A mirror. And a lot of us wake up every single day, we look in the mirror and we say, that is the person. I am the person that is going to provide. I am the person that is going to get me through this day. I am the person that will make it so my life begins to overflow. But what I want us to understand is that you and I, we don't control the flow. Now listen, I sympathize with all you guys because I'm the same way. Because I know what the truth is. Because it's easy to say, Harrison, like, okay, God controls the flow. God is the one in charge, but God doesn't wake up every single day. Like, I am the one that clocks in. I am the one that wakes up early. I am the one working 10 hours a day. I am the one with blisters on my hand. I, 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 me, me, me. And listen, I get it. Because, like, my job, if you didn't know this, is to be a pastor. And you may think, like, well, it's a very spiritual and holy job, so you're different than us. Nope. Exact same thing. There are mornings, there are days, there are weeks where I wake up and I believe that everything that happens in this church falls on me. That it'll succeed because of me, it'll fail because of me, so on and so forth. But here's the point and here's why I'm filled with faith right now. Sometimes God cuts off the flow so we know who controls it. Listen to this. Sometimes God cuts off the flow so we know who controls it. Because most of y'all are like me, where we will go through life, we will go through our days, maybe not consciously, but with the subconscious belief that I am in charge. And you want to know what God needs to do to get our attention sometimes? He cuts off the flow. But listen to me, because I was talking about judgment. This is, this is a harsh judgment. Listen, when God cuts off the flow, it's never judgment, it's mercy. You're like, how could God cutting off the water be merciful. Well, you need to understand something about the gods that we serve. You need to understand something about Baal. Baal wasn't real, but he was ruthless. And so people literally in the name of hoping that it would rain, they would go to this false god, Baal. They would cut themselves. They would do these ritualistic things. Some people would even sacrifice their own children to these gods. Like, just please let it rain. Please bring something. And all of these false gods that we serve, maybe you're serving the God of sex, maybe you're serving the God of money, what you need to understand is that those gods carry with them a heavy price. A lack of peace is a heavy price. Constant and continual anxiety is a heavy price. And so sometimes, not in judgment, Sometimes in mercy, 
God cuts off the flow to get our attention because he wants us to understand where the flow actually comes from. And so you want to know what this looks like in the practical? Sometimes, get this, sometimes God in his mercy, he doesn't let your business succeed the way you want it to succeed. Not because he isn't for you, but because he knows if it went where you wanted it to go, it wouldn't actually lead you to life. It would lead you to death. Because we always talk about blessings, like God is blessing me so I'm up and to the right. But sometimes God blesses you by keeping you at a plateau. Because sometimes the greatest thing that God can do is God can begin to build your character to a place where it can actually catch up to the competency that you want him to take you to. Because you may think, man, I want to be the boss. I want to be the CEO. If I don't have the character, it's actually a detriment to me to be the boss because there's no one to keep me accountable. And because I have this ego problem where I want to just crush people. And so sometimes God in his mercy cuts off the flow. Because you're saying to yourself, I'm not where I want to be. Where is God? Maybe he is with you. He just wants you to know who controls the flow. But oftentimes, and this is where I really think it looks like, especially in our culture, it's not that we don't succeed. Because I know for a lot of us financially, it has been a banner year. You are doing okay. You haven't missed a meal, haven't missed a paycheck. But sometimes what God cuts off is our peace, our contentment, our joy. Because I talk to so many people, and they're, they're doing fine in, in, the, in the physical category. My needs are okay, but I just I have no peace. I have no contentment. I have no joy. And I just wonder if perhaps the reason that it's cut off is because God wants us to understand who controls the flow. Is everyone following? I remember uh, in January 2021, uh, this is back uh, during kind of covid well, not kind of COVID, it was COVID. <laughs> but uh, there was capacities on worship services. And so we went to two services, just like two small services. You guys remember? People that were bare back in the day. And so uh, we did two services. And by God's grace, listen, in the new year, we're going to do two services again because we're packing this place out. I always said, like, in COVID, we did two services because we were shrinking. Next time, it's because we're growing. Amen, amen, and amen. But I was preaching um, twice because we had two services. And I'll never forget, in, in January, kind of one of the very first weeks we were doing it, um, first service, I began to lose my voice. And, like, it was getting really bad. And so I'm trying to preach but in my head the whole time. I'm like, man, I still have one more service. Like, I think my voice is going to go. And so literally, after the first service, my voice was just gone, shot. And I'm, like, tripping out. And, like, I saw Doug that day. And, and Doug's like, you all right, bro? And, I'm like, yeah, my voice is gone. Um, and Doug prayed for me, just believing in faith that God would do something. Me, not so much. <laughs> just worried, right? Like, man, what's, what's going to happen? And um, listen, Doug, I'm so thankful for that prayer because you need to understand that God's faithfulness is not built on our faithfulness but his. And so I'll never forget, my voice is just gone. I'm kind of tripping out. Like someone gave me halls. I hate halls. Um, and second service, Middle of worship, I'm being very logical, like I'm not going to sing because like, my voice is gone. And I'll never forget, in, in the middle of worship, I just felt this prompting from the Holy Spirit, a voice. And he said, Harrison, who created your mouth? And I was like, <laughs> you did. And he's like, sing. And so I opened my mouth and I began to sing. And I'll never forget the message, the entire message, my voice was perfectly fine. When we recorded the second service, so I went back and watched it because I wanted to see, like, could I tell, like, my voice was kind of messed up? If you guys were here three weeks ago, like, my voice is messed up. You guys could tell. But I went back to that message to see if my voice could, like, could I, could I tell? And I watched the message, and it was one where I even sang. I was singing the Kid Leroy, you might remember. Like, so done, so done. Anyways, back in the day. But my voice was perfectly fine. Come on, somebody. And I look back, and what I realize is that sometimes God has to cut off the flow so we know who controls it. Because I can get into these places like you and I, where like I'm the one that preps these messages. I'm the one that works really hard. I'm the one that studies the word. 
But it's only through the grace of God that my mind even functions. It is only through the grace of God that my lips are able to function in a way where words come out. And I want us to understand that there is a great peace in knowing that everything doesn't fall back on you. There is a great peace when you know, despite my circumstance, despite the fact that I might just be laid off, I may just barely be making ends meet, there is a peace that passes understanding to know that someone else controls the flow. It's not me. It's not me. And I need faith to believe this. So this is our starting point. Listen, I need to understand I don't control the flow. That's good, Harrison, but I need some faith to believe it. Let's keep going. Verse 8. Again, midst of the flood, the word of the Lord came to him, to Elijah. He says, go at once to Zarephath in the region of Sidon and stay there. I have directed a widow. If you got a Bible, underline that part. I have directed a widow there to supply you with food. This is, this is a sub point, but you need to understand this. In your life, God is the one that opens doors. There is no coincidences. You're like, man, I just went there one day and the boss was there and it all worked out. I got the job. Wasn't a coincidence. God is the one that directs. So he went, Elijah, to Zarephath, and when he came to the town gate, a widow was there gathering sticks. He called to her and he asked, would you bring me a little water in a jar so I may have a drink? And as she was going to get it, he called to her and he said, please, a piece of bread as well. Now you need to understand, in the best of times, it's not a huge ask. A little water, a little bread. But years into a drought, when there is no rain, when it's going low, when the bank account's running low, when, I, when I'm barely making ends meet, listen, a year-end offering isn't a big thing sometimes. But there are other years, it's droughts in faith, where it's like, what kind of an ask is this? What kind of an ask is this? And so she replies, verse 12, as surely as the Lord your God lives, you can't miss this part, as surely as the Lord your God lives, this lady's a Gentile. She's not a follower of God. Understand that. It's going to play a part. I don't have any bread. Only a handful of flour in a jar, a little olive oil in a jug. I'm going to gather a few sticks, take it home, make a meal for my son. We're going to eat it and die. I get to ask. I get being generous. But I literally have nothing. Talking about feelings, the, the widow's feelings in this story, they're not out of whack, they're valid. I, I literally don't have anything. But the thing I love about God is that God goes to the most unlikely places. He goes to the widows that don't even follow him, that are on their very last meal to teach us who controls the flow. You see, the beauty of this story, and I want us to understand this, is that I want us to view this story now through the lens of the widow. You and I are the widow. And in this moment, her feelings are valid, and her feelings don't line up with faith, at least the faith that we would like her to have. And so here is the good news. And here's the good news about understanding that God controls the flow. I don't have to feel it. Listen, I don't have to feel it. Why? Because faith isn't a feeling. Thank you, one person. Faith <laughs> isn't a feeling. This is good news. Because I don't know about you, but I don't feel all the time the way I want to feel. So I don't actually have to feel that God controls the flow. I just have to know it. 
Well, Harrison, how do I make my heart line up? I'm so glad you asked. Elijah said to her, don't be afraid. Go home and do as you've said. But first, make a small loaf of bread and bring it to me. Then make something for yourself and your son. For this is what the Lord, the God of Israel says. The jar of flour will not be used up. The jug of olive oil will not run dry until the Lord sends rain on this land. Look, this, this is like, this is the preaching aspect. This is Elijah preaching. I'm preaching to you guys. God controls the flow. Here's faith. You want to see faith? 1 Kings 17, 15. She went away and did as Elijah told her. Here's the crazy thing. This lady is a Gentile. She, she, she would know very little about the Lord. Yet she is an example of faith. Not because she believed even anything, not because she felt anything, but because she did it. Because what I want us to understand is that faith isn't a feeling. Faith is simply obedience. If I want to be faithful, all I have to do is be obedient. And that's amazing news. Because I can control my behavior far better than I can control my feelings. Because my feelings don't always go where I want them to be. So what is obedience? Obedience is simply being faithful to whatever God calls you to do. That's it. And what I love about this, this story is that faith doesn't care about the faith of your father. What I mean by that is that faith is not built upon the last generation. It's built on this generation. This lady had no history to look back to. And perhaps some of us are here today. We have no history to look back to. I have no mother. I have no father that I can look to as an example of faith. That's okay. God chooses the most unlikely people to start new paths. And there are people here in this season that you are trailblazing for your family. And you are going to create stories about the faithfulness of God. Not because you felt it, but because you acted in obedience. And I just, I know that the, the, the most amazing things have been happening in this season where God has been drawing people here. And the reason that you came to church, I don't even know if it was because you felt it as much as you were obedient to the prompting of the Holy Spirit. And what you're doing right now, whether you know it or not, you are paving and carving out a faith story for the next generation doesn't matter what it was like beforehand. God isn't so much worried about before. He's more excited about what's happening in the after. And all God calls us to do is have faith to believe. Faith to be obedient. And he says, follow me. Watch what I'll do. And, you know, I was thinking this week just about our church. And if you don't know our story, we started in my basement five years ago. And... I didn't realize it so much, probably because I'm arrogant. Um, <laughs> but it takes great faith for the people to come into my basement and believe that one day this would be something other than some young punk with a hope and a dream. And I'm so thankful for the people that have been here from the very beginning, not even just my basement, but the beginning of our church, just to see what God has done and what God is doing. And I love this season because we look back at all that God has done and it propels us forward to faith in the future. And I think just it's, it's cool, and I have this not in my notes. I'm just speaking, so you can tell me to stop if it's not making sense. But it's cool to stand in moments like this and realize that you're standing in the midst of something that you prayed for and believed for before you even had the faith to believe it yourself. But that's just how God works. And, and kind of where I'm going with this is I think that all of us in this room can be people of a great faith as long as we are obedient to the places that God calls us to go and the things that God calls us to do. You see, the reason that we finish this series with a year-end offering is because you're like, okay, Harrison, like, how can I be obedient? What's the, what's the next thing I can be obedient in? This year-end offering we call an above and beyond offering. Because we just literally go to the Lord, and, and it's a moment. I want to encourage you. Take it with your family, with your kids. Come together and say, God, what are you calling us to give to you in this season? 
and it's simply an act of obedience. And it is a way that it stretches your faith. Not because it feels good, not because I I want to even do something, because God has called me to do something and I'm going to be obedient to it. And when you do that, God begins to stretch your faith. And so faith isn't a feeling. Faith is acting in obedience. Now, I love the the, the year-end offering because I believe it's, it's a faith moment and it's a stretching moment. But I also do not believe that for as great as something is, a one-time moment cannot build me faith for 365 days. It just can't. And so I want to share a principle that Elijah gives us here that I think can give you small acts of obedience that you can do every single day. Look what he says. He says, Elijah said to her, again, the call, bring the stuff. He says, don't be afraid. Go home. Do as you've said. Listen, make the meal for your kid, for yourself. But first, but first, make a small bread, loaf of bread for me and and from what you have and bring it to me and make something for yourself and for your son. So what we learn here is what I call the principle of first. So listen, there are things that you can do every single day to build your faith, starting with a simple principle of first. Listen, I can preach till I'm blue in the face that God controls the flow. That doesn't mean you're going to believe it in March. Certainly not going to believe it in January, in June. Maybe January, hopefully. That's like three weeks. And so what we need to do when it comes to building our faith is we need to put rhythms in our lives where I can begin to put God first. Not once a year, but daily. You see, if I have no rhythm, if I have no reminders, I will always end up in charge. It's as simple as that. I can say to myself, God, you are the one, you are the throne, Alpha, Omega. If I have no rhythms in place, I will always end up in charge. Why? Because what I said is true. You are the one that wakes up. You are the one that goes to work. You are the one that puts in the time to study. But if I have no rhythms, if I have no reminders, I'll always end up going back to being the one in charge, to believing I control the flow. So can I give you two practices that can begin to build your faith? Can I? Practice number one, have, start, build, continue, whatever is valid for you, a devotion life, a devotional life. Super simple, super practical, what that looks like is I want you to start every single day by beginning your day with Jesus. And this is going to look different for every person. It's going to look different depending on what season of life you are in. But I want to encourage you, I want to challenge you to start your day with Jesus. In prayer, in reading his word, you can listen to music, you can buy devotional books, whatever it is, it doesn't really matter. Start your day with Jesus. You're like, Harrison, I, I go to work early. You don't know what time my first class starts. I have five kids. Like, there's no time. I love what Elijah says to the widow because she's like, listen, I got a family to provide for. Elijah says, don't not make them food. He says, but first, do this. Listen, y'all, I'm not saying abandon your kids to read your Bible. But I'm saying there is something that is faith building when you say Jesus comes first. You need to understand that. Listen, I got three kids under three. It takes takes a little bit of scheduling (laughs) to make it work. But Christy and I make it work. Why? Because we want to stretch our faith and we want to grow in Jesus. And there's no way that I cannot begin to believe I'm in charge if I do not first lay down my life to Jesus. And so the principle of first is so easy. Start your day with him. Now listen, if you don't have kids, I love you. I truly do. Can I just say it? You got no excuse. Now listen, I know, I know, I know you you still start work early. I know, I know, I know. 
I know your first class is 10:15, college kids. I know it's tough. It is, it is tough. <laughs> Harrison, I've never seen the sunrise. <laughs> sunrise is 8:30. Get that joke. Get that joke. Um, but the beautiful thing about the whole, but the, the whole, all I'm saying, you don't have to feel a thing. You don't have to feel a thing. You just got to do it. You got to wake up 20 minutes earlier. You got to wake up half an hour earlier before bed. You got to turn off TikTok 10 minutes earlier. But the truth is, when you begin to do it, watch what God does. Watch what God does. I I share to people all the time. The beginning of my walk with Jesus, you want to know what crippled me? My feelings. I have journals from back when I was in college, and I was telling people that in my first journals, they're all the same. It's like, Jesus, I didn't really feel like doing a devotion. God, I don't feel you. I don't hear you. You want to know what I tell everyone changes everything? I stopped listening to my feelings, and I just started acting in in obedience. And you begin to create rhythms, and you begin to see what God can do. And so listen, I'm making fun of college kids, but I know you're in exam season. So here's a truism for you. You can't afford not to pray. You can't afford not to first go to Jesus because it's just, it's just too much. Listen, y'all, families, kids, Christmas, dinners, programs, parties, it's just too much to do it by yourself. I need to lay it down. I need to give it to Jesus. And he has this way. You're never going to believe it. He has this way of giving you more time. It's, it doesn't make sense. We all get 24 hours, but I promise you, put Jesus first. You will see you have more time. I'm just riffing today. When I was in college, my college kids, because I'm making fun of y'all, the biggest thing that changed how I studied, that changed my rhythms, was I just put Jesus first. I'm not lying to y'all. My grades got better because the Holy Spirit has this way. Now, listen to me. If you pray and don't study, good luck to you. <laughs> but I just found this way, and I just believe it to be true, that when you put Jesus first, he gives you an overflow in every area. It's not like I serve better at church now. No, every area of your life, he begins to overflow. Listen, you thought you were too busy to serve this season. You thought you were too busy to give. You thought you were too busy to, to, to give Jesus devotion. Put him first. Watch what he does. Just watch what he does. Maybe your mind doesn't expand, but your mind retains better when I have peace. It's just true. When I'm less worried, when I'm less anxious, there's a reason Jesus says, seek first the kingdom and all else will be given to you. So I'm giving us two practices to to stretch our faith, to remind us who controls the flow. Because the truth is, most of us struggle in the area of time. Second area we struggle in, money. First practice, devotion, practice of first. I felt, and and there's a practice of Sabbath that I believe is also very important. Um, There's a whole sermon here. I felt the Lord tell me to come back to this in January. So I'm going to preach it again in January just so you guys are ready. But first practice is devotion. Second practice is this. Because time stretches us out. Second is our finances. So here's a practice that can help stretch and build your faith. It's called tithing. Now, if you don't know what a tithe is, I'll explain it to you. And if you've never tithed, you're about to do like a somersault in your brain. Like, what are you talking about, Pastor? So what a tithe is is this. To tithe is the biblical principle to give the first 10% of your income to the Lord. Amen. Now, again, if you've never done it, sounds really crazy. Like, Harrison, the first 10%? Like, I, I feel like I can barely make it on 100%. Like, what you mean 10% to Jesus? Listen, as I said, if you've never done it, it doesn't make sense. I cannot sit here and tell you logically that you have more with 90% than you do with 100%. Great thing about faith, though, don't have to feel it. 
So I will tell you in faith that God can do, hear me, hear me, hear me. God not can, God will do and does do more with 90% than I can do with 100%. That is a take it to the bank guarantee. Not for me, from scripture. Go to Malachi chapter three. We're in the Old Testament a lot today, so might as well stay there. Malachi 3.10. We'll come back to this in January. I'll read the whole thing. I feel like sparing your feelings today. But go look up verse 9 when you get home. Verse 10. He says, bring the whole tithe into the storehouse, into God's house, that there may be food in my house. If you've got a Bible, underline this part. Test me in this, says the Lord Almighty, and see if I will not throw open the floodgates of heaven and pour out so much blessing that there will not be room enough to store it. I will prevent pests from devouring your crops and vines in your field, and I will drop the fruit, but you will not drop fruit before it's ripe, says the Lord Almighty. Listen, y'all, that should have been a much louder scream. I can sit here and I can tell you testimony. I heard a testimony from a friend two weeks ago. I can tell you testimonies about what God does when you begin to tithe. I'm not going to tell you a single testimony because the word of God is enough. And so I'm going to encourage you, take God's word literally. There is one place and one place only in scripture where God encourages you actively and openly to test him. You know, parents like, don't test me, boy. God says opposite. Bring the whole tithe, whole, bring the whole tithe, test me, and see, I, I, I love this, see if I will not throw the floodgates of heaven. How vivid is that? I will, I, I will open things up. I'll prevent pests from devouring your crops. Listen, y'all, I, I know most of us aren't farmers, but maybe it's like I'm going to prevent people from trashing your Airbnb this year. Watch what I do when you put me first. Listen, it was a banner year for some of us, and you didn't give. Amazing. Watch what God will do in 2023 when you begin to give. And listen, the floodgates, you need to understand this. Some of you don't need any more money. But what you do need is an absolute abundance of peace. God says, watch and see what the one who controls the flow will do. I believe for this whole three weeks, I've called this a faith series and a generosity series. But I think in reality, we should probably start calling it an obedience series. Because this week, God is gonna call us to be obedient to something. And it is our job to respond and watch what happens. As the story goes, it says the widow went away and did as Elijah told her. So there was food every day for Elijah and for the woman and her family. For the jar of flour was not used up and the jug of oil did not run dry. In keeping with the word of the Lord spoken by Elijah. Here is the truth, church. When we begin to respond in obedience when we begin to believe the principle of first, God, I'm putting you first in my finances. I'm putting you first in my day, in my schedule, in my planner. Listen to this. You won't run dry. That's the promise. That's the promise. You won't run dry. Why? Because the Lord who controls the floodgates, the one who controls the flow, he promises it. He promises peace. He promises hope. He promises us a future. Jesus says in Matthew chapter, gosh, 10, 11. You can fact check me later. But Jesus says, come to me, all who are weary and heavy laden, and I will give you rest. So listen, for some of us, I know it hasn't been a restful year. I know it hasn't been a peaceful year. 
But I think as we end our year, we have this way of dictating and directing what our next year is going to look like. And so I'm just excited for how God is going to finish this year and how, what God is going to do and how he's going to blow our expectations and how he's going to go above and beyond, how he's going to do more. So I want to encourage you guys. Next week, we have our year-end offering. And if you've never been here, we have a moment at the end where we literally come together and we give. And we give in faith and we believe in faith that God's going to do something. So I want to encourage you this week to go home and just to pray and just say, God, what is it that you are calling me to give? It's a process that Christy and I do every single year. And we kind of do it separately. We just come away and then we come together and see where we end up. But it's a moment, and I just believe that we're building a legacy of faith for our family. And I think that when we have these moments, these pillar moments where people can actually see us physically give, I believe it does something. And so next week, and I haven't told kids ministry yet, but I'm going to tell them. I want everyone in the church, I want all the kids in the church, because I want them to see what it looks like to worship Jesus. And so I want to encourage you guys as a family and as individuals this week to just begin to pray. And for some of us, yeah, it's the year end, but I want some of us to start looking forward to January. And say, and not even, you can start next week, but the little things, the little principles of first. God, where can I put you first? And what areas can I put you first? And just watch and see what he'll do. Can we just stand for a second, church? Jesus, I just pray over every person in here, God. God, I just pray that you increase our faith. God, may we step out this week, this month, in ways that we have not before. May our faith be stretched. And God, may we see your faithfulness. I thank you for this church. I thank you for what you're doing. And God, I just thank you that the best days are ahead of us, not behind us. And so, Jesus, I pray for anyone that needs hope, anyone that needs healing in this season, that you would bring it. God, you control the flow. I pray that we can believe it when our feelings fail, when our circumstances don't make sense. Give us an extra measure of faith. May we act in obedience to your word. We love you, God. We pray in your mighty and holy name. Amen. 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 Thank you so much for taking the time to listen to that message. We hope you were encouraged and inspired. If you want more information or you made a decision to follow Jesus, why don't you head over to kingdomchurch.ca? We would love to connect with you. Until next time, take care.